You're tuning, You're tuning in. in. TBD. 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 Into TBD. TBD. To be discussed. To be discussed. To be discussed. Hey everyone, welcome back to the podcast To Be Discussed. This is your host, May Wu, and this is a podcast on topics that we don't typically discuss, but we should. And this season, it's focused on all things love, our first perceptions of love, growing up, how we give and receive love. Specifically, this episode, we're focusing on growing up with immigrant families. So everyone on this episode grew up with an immigrant family, and we get to talk about our experiences with love and our different cultural backgrounds. So I have some really special guests here with me today, so I'm going to let them introduce themselves. Oh, I'll go first. (laughs) Sorry. Uh, Hi, I'm Caddy. I'm from Indonesia, but I moved to the U.S. when I was eight years old. And growing up, I've kind of moved all along the West Coast. And I'm currently in L.A. And I'll probably be in California for this year. So my name is Jennifer, or JB for short. Um, I am Colombian and Mexican, uh, but I was raised in Alaska currently living in Oregon. Um, A little bit about myself. Um, I work um, in tech and I like to say that my interest or my focus is in the intersection of technology and social equity. Currently right now working on a couple of projects um, around how we can leverage emerging technology to increase social equity um, in different aspects of life. Hello, I'm in chem. My friends call me Didi. Um, I am a first generation American. My dad is from Nigeria and my mom is from Belgium, but her roots are in Burundi. So that's in East Africa. Um, a little about me. I pro- I'm professionally in commercial real estate, but my passion lies within social activism. So I recently started the Race Talk Blueprint and it's basically a platform where I have uncomfortable conversations with a lot of my friends just to kind of get the um, conversations about race started and to eliminate barriers and to break down excuses. Awesome. I'm so excited to have you all here. And it sounds like everyone's really passionate about uh, sharing our stories and really helping those um, with their experiences as well. So I'm really excited to talk about this topic. And I feel like it will get we're, we're going to really get to some like nitty gritty things. And um, so I guess my first kind of question is, who are your examples of love growing up? So for me, my examples of love growing up, uh, early on in my childhood, I had both parents in my household and I grew up with my grandmother as well. So I would say all three of those, but they all showed love um, in very different ways. Uh, But I would say my grandmother definitely had more of the acts of service type of love. So she would always like to do things for me Mm -hmm. um, to to show her love and affection. and my mother and father were, were, were more words of affirmation. So always trying to kind of uplift me um, and speak words of affirmation into my life. I like that. That was similar to me. Um, growing up, my biggest example for love was my mom. She loves love. So she would constantly shower me with hugs and kisses and also those words of affirmation and letting me know, like, you know, I am the greatest and she loves me. Um, and it felt good to have that at a young age because I know a lot of people, sometimes they don't get that. Um, and I only had it from one side, from my mom, not as much from my dad. But, um, but yeah, that's my biggest example of love growing up. 
Um, for me, like for the first few years, um, I didn't live with my parents just because I was born in in Indonesia and my mom and dad lived in the U.S. So growing up, I lived with my grandma and like different aunts and uncles. And so their version of love was acts of service as well as words of affirmation. Like, you know, when I lived with my grandma, she would like teach me how to like meditate. Like she wakes up at like five in the morning and does like Tai Chi and like she's always like not lecturing me, but she's always like showing love to me by like um, taking me to the market and like providing me lots of food and then like showing me the way. And then for my aunt, I feel like her version of love is just like providing a roof over my head and giving us money. But I didn't know what that was because, you know, I was very little. And so I was like, what am I supposed to do with money? But um, <laughs> that's just her like her um, her way of showing love. <laughs> And uh, were your parents all together? And do you think that influenced your perception of love? So my parents were together um, until I was about 12. So I would say they separated when I was around 10 or 11 and then formally divorced when I was around 12. And I think for me, I was very mature about that whole situation. And I remember growing up and always knowing that they did not belong together. Mm. I really loved them individually, but I remember them as a couple. I always was like, okay, this is not working. You guys should not be together. Um, so when that the, the divorce happened, it wasn't, um, it wasn't a shock to me. And I, I would say I wasn't even sad about it because I knew that they were both going to be happier. Um, as individuals. So I think from a very, very early age, it did influence my perception of love because it, it pretty much taught me that people can fall out of love. People mm -hmm. can outgrow each other. So it definitely, I would say almost like killed that, uh, uh, fairy tale love of, Oh, you know, we'll be together until the end kind of thing. And it was a, a much more realistic view of, you know, sometimes, people grow apart and they're better, happier, healthier individuals when they're not with their partner. And it's okay to let that relationship go so that each person can be happier. I agree on that. Have you ever heard the saying, um, it's better to be home alone than to be at home wishing you were alone? Yes. Mm -hmm. <laughs> yeah, that resonates for me. Um, my parents, they weren't together. I mean, they were together for several years before they had me. And then they had me and I think they divorced like oof, before I was like two, two years old. Um, so for me, intimate love is still a little bit confusing for me in a little in a number of ways. I'm still kind of trying to figure it out just because my dad till this day, I know and he's, you know, he's very verbal about it. He's still in love with my mom. But mm. my mom, she she loves him, but not in that way. It's more so like, oh, like your dad's like a brother for me. So in like my adulthood now like navigating through like intimate love and like that not knowing what that fairy tale is really like it's still a little bit weird for me um so yeah I and I definitely think it's rooted from that yeah my parents are also separated like growing up like when I first moved to the U.S. I was about eight years old and I lived with both of my parents but I could tell like that they just shouldn't be together because they were always fighting like they never hugged or kissed in front of us and if they did kiss they would like hide it from us i'm not sure why so um they never really showed like affection or anything towards each other so growing up i didn't my perception of love was just from like watching movies like you know cinderella story or 
like watching my friends parents like show love towards each other but i never saw that in my household just because my mom and dad were like frenemies like sometimes Mm -hmm. they'd be cordial and then other times they would just fight all the time and then they actually separated when i was 15 and then so i just lived with my mom um from when i was 15 onwards but even when she started dating other men um she didn't really show us like well, she would always hide it if she had a new boyfriend or she would just say, oh, this is my friend. But even when I would like go out to lunch with her boyfriend, like they wouldn't show, they, they wouldn't hold hands, they wouldn't hug or anything, so. My parents, to kind of add on to that, uh, my parents were in an arranged marriage. And uh, so I always knew that very young, that my parents were in an arranged marriage. Uh, that was some, ever since I could remember, like around five. And to me, I, it wasn't weird because of what I knew and they, they were almost, I kind of saw them as like, they were cordial. Of course they got into arguments and things like that, but, um, it was interesting because I think I see them very differently than how I see my friends' parents. And so I guess, how do you, your parents show you affection? Does your mom and dad show you affection in the same way or is it very different? It's definitely different depending on which parent it is. My dad was a very big words of affirmation type of person. So always, um, I used to be very shy. So always encouraging me, uplifting me, letting me know like you can do anything you want to do. You can. So he would always encourage me to try new things, to uh, take risks um, and always just speak speak those words of affirmation to show me or to try to at least boost my confidence when I was younger. And my mom was much more physical affection. And um, I would say a little bit of acts of service as well. So she just wanted to make sure that I was like taken care of and safe. She was actually the main breadwinner in my household. Uh, So she, she was the one that was always making sure you know, bills were paid, we had food on the table, I had everything that I needed for school. um, And that she would, I didn't realize this until I was older. But one way that I think she really showed affection, or at least love for me is that after school, um, and after school in like the US, she would have these textbooks from Mexico, and we would have like homeschool in the afternoons and evenings where we would review material in Spanish because she wanted me to always be ahead of where I was and doing everything she could to make sure that I was excelling in school because that was her way uh, to almost ensure that I was going to be safe and successful. I think my parents were just like the complete opposite of each other. Like my mom, she (laughs) was very affectionate in terms of like flooding me with words of affirmation and like I said before like the the physical love so like the hugs and the cuddles and she'd kiss me hello and kiss me goodbye but my dad um his way of showing me affection was to many people I would I wouldn't be shocked if they're like that's not affection but like I just I know my dad and his upbringing so that's just his way but telling me about like his sacrifices um and what I need to be doing in school um that's him like being affectionate in terms of like this is what you should be doing to be on the right path of life because I love you um instead of saying I love you right 
Um, and actually, now that we're talking about it, I was actually kind of trying to think of, are there any words that like my dad used to like call me like nicknames or anything for affection? And I haven't heard it in so many years, um, but he used to always say like the word mummy. So like, hey, mummy, how are you? Or love you too, mummy, whenever I would say I love you. Um, and I'm always the first one to initiate saying I love you with my dad. So like, I just think it's, I have to pull out the affection from my dad a lot more than with my mom. My mom just floods me with it. I'd say both of my parents don't really know how to show affection, but I think it's because their parents never showed affection towards mm. them. And so with my dad, um, I would say he we he likes to spend quality time together, but it's always like we're always going out to eat. And so I think he shows me love through food. And then even when we uh, are together and eating, like I try to get him to engage and like go deeper than just like surface level communication and he just can't do it. So I'm still trying to figure out like what his, um, like how he shows love, but but I also think he's having a hard time because I remember having like a heart, I tried to have a heart to heart conversation with him and he was just silent. Like, I don't know if he heard me, like he just couldn't say anything. And then he would just like bring up another topic about the weather. Mm. And then with my mom, uh, I'm re- noticing that her, she she'll like randomly like oh like do you need some money like i'll give you some of this and i'm like no i don't need your money and like again i try to spend quality time with her but she always wants to like shop or like buy me something but both of them can never engage in like a heart-to-heart conversation so i think i'm still trying to figure out both of them but i think both of them is just like both of my parents are just like they both didn't receive affection or love Mm -hmm. from their parents that's why they're having troubles, um, like showing love to their own kids. Yeah, I really resonate with that because I feel like my parents, especially like my dad's side, get that sort of affectionate love with their parents. It was very much like your love is me providing a roof over your head and food and telling you what to do in life kind of thing. And um, so I, I get that from my parents a lot. It's very much kind of like Dee Dee, like your dad. It's like, oh, you should do this because I love you. And yeah. um, here's all the sacrifices I made to make, sh- make sure that you could have uh, more opportunities or, or that sort of thing. Or how we got here today is because of a lot of sacrifices, which I don't think as a kid I really appreciated um yeah all the time <laughs> i loved hearing their stories but there was definitely an extent where i was like okay now i it's kind of like you would feel guilty sometimes and yes it, yeah and it's not like a great feeling as a kid or hey that's they like guilt trip you yeah like even yeah. till this day like my dad he'll like because i didn't go to law school or to medical school so when he even brings up the conversation it goes from him just like i'm telling you to like actually him getting upset and mad <laughs> um and he always has this saying like well you can take the horse to the water but you can't force it to drink and i'm like okay <laughs> that's, that's like yeah. uh, like i mean that- i'm still a great person and smart even though i didn't go to you know law school or medical school but he's just so like upset with that right but he's mm-hmm. just trying to be affectionate let me know like he just really cares about me and like my well-being um and it's crazy that you said for even like dinner when you were talking about how your dad like at least it's like surface level conversations we mm-hmm. don't even have surface level conversations like it's completely silent <laughs> oh, oh wow have you tried yeah. to like go deeper with him or 
I mean, I I don't even know how to go deeper with him. So I will just stay quiet. But the whole time in my head, I'm like, okay, what should I talk about? What shouldn't I talk about? Should I talk about like, you know, what happened in the news? But then what if he like goes into detail about something like I just don't even want to talk about? Like, I'm always like walking around eggshells when it comes to anything serious with him because I don't know how he's going to react and it's going to revert back to school, you know? <laughs> mm. It makes me think about expectations. And mm-hmm. so it... I remembered my parents had like huge expectations a lot of the time, like responsibility, making sure I'm safe, making sure that I'm going to school and keeping up with my studies. And they also didn't really speak English. So a lot of navigating that. And then when I got older, actually, the conversations changed because I recently um, my mom actually spoke to me and had a heart to heart. And I shared this with you guys before, but I want to share this with everybody is that she said that she followed everything that she was told to do. She was supposed to come to the U.S., really grind hard and uh, start a business, own a home, all those things, and really like sacrifice to do all the things that she was told. And now that she's done everything, she recently, uh, these past couple of years, got diagnosed with Parkinson's. And she said to me that now she's done everything and now that her body and her health is not great, she kind of wished that she didn't do everything she was told and she doesn't really know how to be like happy and live her life. And that really struck me because that was literally like the first moment that my mom was really like honest about kind of some of her, her regrets of following, I guess the, the blueprint, what kind of expectations um, did your family have for you growing up? Did they change? Are they still very similar? It sounds like Didi, your dad is really stuck on law school. <laughs> yeah. So for me, I'm the oldest sibling. So in Nigeria, if you're the oldest daughter, you're the Ada. Um, so like for me, it's set the example for your younger siblings. You know, you're the one that has to be the perfect one. You can't mess up because they're all watching you and we don't want them to, you know, go under or like just fall under whatever it is that you're doing if it's not good. So you just, you have to be the best at everything. Dad, it was doctor or lawyer, right? One of the two. But for my mom, she, because they weren't together, which actually benefited me a whole lot, was her always letting me know, like, do what makes you happy, right? But there's still that tug of war because it's like, okay, do what makes me happy or am I going to be scared straight into, like, doing what I should be doing because it's an expectation, not that I want to do it, but it's because I am scared that if I don't do it, all of the bad things that my dad is telling me it's going to happen are actually going to happen, right? Um so it was, it was a lot and it's scary too sometimes going up because when I do mess up or I do have like a little hiccup in life, I'm like, uh-oh, was my dad right? Mm-hmm. Um, but then I'm like, no, but I want to be happy and this is how I should be living life because life is not about a career. I feel like we're, I don't want to, I don't want to live to work. I want to work to live if that makes sense. Mm-hmm. Um, so yeah, I just want to be happy, but it's still in my mind that tug of war. I don't really have my dad to talk to when it comes to that type of expectation So just navigating through it all and trying to, you know, set my own expectations. It's a whole, you know, unlearning and learning and just doing that self like journey of realizations and stuff that I'm just trying to figure out. And JB, do you do you have similar sentiments? So for me, as far as expectations that my parents had on me, it was pretty much all academic, um, excelling um, in school and things like that. So that really definitely influenced me and pushed me to do well in school. And uh, I think I was really lucky that I, it naturally kind of came to me. I didn't have to struggle that much. 
Uh, so when I noticed that it was an area that um, I excelled in and that it made my parents like really happy and proud when I skipped a grade, when I did this, when I did this, when I did that, it kind of just made me focus more on that. But I will say I wish the the expectations hadn't been solely on that because I think it steered me away from trying different things in high school. Like I didn't do sports. I wasn't in any, you know, fun extracurriculars because my whole focus was on just performing well academically. I would say I feel really good about where my career is at and the things that are happening for me. I think my mom is, even though she had that expectation, she's actually really su surprised. She's like, wow, like you're really out here doing it. Okay. Um, so she's really <laughs> proud of me and the things that um, I have going on. So at this point, she kind of sees it. I, th I feel like her expectations are really like I reached the, the, the milestone. I got the degrees. I got the career. So she's kind of just really happy of where I'm at. But I think it's kind of funny because growing up, they pushed academic excellence so much and they would always have, you know, this running joke of, oh, you can't date until you're 30. You can't date until you're 30. You have to, you know, get a career and be successful. And I think a lot of that came from me being the only child. So I'm the only person in both my dad's side or my mom's side that was born here, got to go to school here. There was always this um, notion that I would be, you know, like the golden child that would be able to uh, get my family, you know, out of poverty and progress us. And at least that's the pressure that I put on myself. Mm -hmm. um, and it's funny because now I'm 25 and my mom is, since I was, since last year, since I was 24, she's, you know, asking, you know, when do you think you're going to settle down? When are you going to, you know, have kids? And I'm like, you realize you, there was this running joke that I wasn't going to date until I'm 30. And I literally think I internalized that because I'm still, uh, it's still something that I struggle with is feeling that relationships will distract me from these larger accomplishments mm. that I have in my mind. So I almost think that I really internalize that running joke. It seems like with our families, like sometimes we can want to seek validation or affection from them because they don't give it depending on which parent have you noticed that this can translate into maybe your romantic partners your work or your friendships like what are your thoughts um as far as seeking validation um in those other areas or like validation or uh, affection okay. whether it's okay. your friendships work or you know like romantic partners I think that um, for me, it's almost like I feel like I have to be in this constant state of producing value. Like I have to be accomplishing something. I have to be doing something new. I have to be doing something more. And it's really easy to measure that in my career. Uh, so I think with work, it's where I least struggle in because I can measure, um, I can almost gauge that myself and I take that as validation of that I'm in in doing the right thing. And I don't, in that sense, I don't really seek uh, words of affirmation or anything like that for my career because the validation comes from like the results, the money, the, the promotion, the progress. Relationships, it's something that I still struggle with and am still trying to figure out because it's harder to measure in, at least for me in that sense, am, am I doing something right? Am I doing something wrong? So I noticed that with partners if I don't have almost like a constant state of verbal affirmation of of uh knowing that you know do you still like me like are we still together what's going on like we were cool yesterday but are we cool today um if I if I don't have that like constant state of it's cool I like you I'm here I'm not going anywhere 
then it can cause me to freak out. So it's something that I still struggle with is how can I uh, figure out what are someone's ways that they show love? Like, how can I understand that, internalize that and know that that's their way of showing affection, that they care about me, that they're not going anywhere, and that I don't have to be in this constant state of producing value to be worthy of someone's love, that I am worthy of, of their love, you know, no matter what. It's very have real. Have you read of the book, The Five Languages of yeah. Love? You should read the book. And it basically, like, if you if you have a partner, mm -hmm. I mean, it's good for both of you to read it. So then you can realize and understand, like, what their language of love is. Mm -hmm. So then when, even though it may not match with what you're, what it is that you do to give love, you know that when they're doing that, that's their way of showing love. You know what I mean? Yeah, and that yeah. can kind of just give you that, like, validation that we are, like, technically all seeking. You know yeah. what I mean? Um, I think for me, I resonate with a lot of what you said, JB, just because when it comes to work, um, I completely can see, like, all the expectations that were put on me, they were so high that I over excel when it comes to work. But then when so, it comes to relationships and that validation, I think I am just now as I'm about to exit my 20s, I'm just now realizing that there are a lot of things that like I need to figure out within myself to get that validation because I don't really want to ever seek validation from somebody else. Um, I, I want to be able to validate myself and what I'm thinking and what I'm feeling without putting pressure on other people. But I do like have to learn myself. So learning myself, I realize that this tough, goofy, like um, silly exterior that I have, is actually a defense mechanism for me. Um, and it's mostly because I'm always trying to make sure that I'm letting other people around me feel comfortable because I know what it's like to feel uncomfortable and I don't want to let other people feel like that. But in order for me to be vulnerable around people, um, which I forced myself to do lately, and I mean, it's it's been doing me a good justice, but at the same time, it's still really uncomfortable for me. But I just need a little extra love here and there, and I just don't need it to be seen as being needy. I just want it to be like, oh, she needs affection and she just loves love because she didn't really have a lot of it from one end, right? Yeah. And I can definitely relate to uh, you, Didi, and JB. When it comes to relationship, I feel like, uh, well, I've only been in one relationship and I don't think that was like a, that was definitely a learning relationship for me. Like, I don't think I was a good partner in that relationship, but I think it also stems from like how I grew up and how I was shown love and so um like moving forward um like i definitely need like that verbal communication and like i need reassurance from my partner and then i think for me um i hide i don't t like to be super vulnerable just because i'm scared that i would scare away the other person but i'm trying to be more vulnerable and like kind of show like my vulnerable side because i i laugh a lot and like i like to make jokes um and so I hide that when I'm nervous. And so I laugh when I'm nervous or when I have like anxiety inside, then I usually just cover that up with like me laughing or like when I'm in like, when I'm like on a date, then I usually like try to make jokes because I'm nervous. And then when it comes to work, I would say, so like in my dad's side of the family, they like to compete where it's like, my dad would be like, oh, your cousin got into Columbia or your cousin got into this school and your mm -hmm. cousin's doing all this. And so they expect me to be on that same level as like my cousins when, you know, their parents are like, they had a different upbringing than my dad and they raised their kids differently than my dad. Any other expectations besides being rich? But, but for what? Like if I, say I have all this money and then what? Like, you know, so I think- not happy. Yeah, if I'm not happy, then why do I need all this money? And so my expectations for myself is to just live life. No, I agree. Like, that resonated with everything. I mean, 
so my dad, he grew up with seven siblings. So for them, I'm always hearing about like, oh, you know, your cousin just got into this school or, you know, they, they're getting their master's or they're doing all this stuff or a PhD. And I think that's great. I'm so happy for all of them. But like, I'm more of an artistic person. So like, I went to school, did my science degrees and everything, got that. But my calling was not to go into the science field, right? Mm-hmm. Yeah. So I can always feel that like, competition between the brothers when they talk and I'm to me personally I'm like I don't care <laughs> like it's not gonna make me change who I am and what I'm doing you know mm, um, exactly. but at the same time it's like that pressure where it's like oh god like why are we always comparing like this is supposed to be family we should be congratulating each other without like trying to one-up each other so I get that exactly yeah Thank you all for sharing how you give and receive love and and how what hasn't really worked for you all so do your parents have expectations for you dating then are there expectations? Do you do you care? <laughs> uh, I would say my mom and dad's expectation. Well, I don't think my dad has too much expectations of um, who I date. He just, you know, obviously wants somebody who's gonna be compassionate, um, who's like super sweet and can like lead the family. But my mom's expectation is like to marry somebody who can be the breadwinner and bring in a lot of money so that I don't have to work. But I'm just like, uh, no, because like <laughs> if I marry somebody who just makes a lot of money, but he's not present or is there with me all the time to like raise a kid or raise a family, then I don't want to be with that person because then I'm left alone to like raise the family. And so I would say my, I don't listen to my mom and dad. Okay. Uh, for me at this point, I don't think my mom has any specific uh, expectations uh, as far as dating or marriage. Uh, she knows that I'm a very private person when it comes to that. I don't really tell my parents um, if I am talking to someone or dating someone. I view it I, in that sense. I would definitely say I follow like the traditional Mexican culture. I don't plan on introducing anyone to my mom until I we're either engaged or I feel like we're about to be engaged just because that's something that I've retained from the culture. Like you just don't introduce a lot of boyfriends or anything like that to your family. Um, so my mom knows that I, that nothing really serious is going on yet because I haven't, you know, introduced anyone to her, mm-hmm. but she doesn't have any specific expectations as far as what age should I get married or who the type of person that I should marry or anything like that. Um, we have a very, open and honest uh, relationship now and really great dialogue. So she just asks me like, what do you want? And there's, I've gone through periods of life where I'm really honest with her and I'm like, you know what? I don't know if I even want to have children. I'm not sure if that's, uh, you know, in the cards for me. So I don't want you to have like your sights set on when you're going to have grandchildren because you might not. (laughs) Um, Mm. So, uh, but ever since we've had those types of conversations, she's, uh, really just open and accepting to whatever I, I want to do, honestly. But I, I do feel really lucky in that sense that I feel no sort of pressure or expectation to marry or date a specific type of person or have a specific type of household or family dynamic with my with my partner. So it's given me the freedom to really explore um, different uh, types of relationships to figure out like what truly is best for me. Like, what do I I want out of a partnership with someone. I wish I felt uh, that way, but I don't <laughs> necessarily, I feel like I, whenever I'm looking for a partner, I'm like, are they going to work with my family? They're just so, you know, like one-sided mm-hmm. or they have 
like it's hard for my family to get along with other people especially like other cultures and i'm like to me that sounds like a something i try to like put aside and i'm definitely with you on like not introducing a partner until it gets to that point but my reason is is kind of like i don't want to bring them into this until until it's like almost to the point of marriage Didi, what do you think I totally agree. Um, so I'm 29. So culturally, I'm late. Like my cousins, they're like younger than me, like 24, 25. They've already gone to school. And then instead of like focusing on their careers, they got married. And some of them are on like baby number two already, um, which is great culturally for them right but for me i mean like my dad because he raised me here it's always been like focus on your career get yourself situated you don't want to depend on any man because they don't make men like me anymore you know like my dad he's very <laughs> um <laughs> he's very old school in the sense of you know just being realistic with me letting me know like hey like there's the divorce rates are high now you know what i mean like make sure you're you're sure but it's also one of those things where just you, you can't just bring home boyfriends. Like no man is allowed inside of his house. So I have yet to have any conversations with my dad about like men. And a part of it is just like you said, May, like I'm a little bit like, ooh, are you are you the right type? Like, do you come from like a good family? Because my dad is all about family too. Not more so about the money, but just like culturally, like doesn't care what background you're from, but do you have a good source of family? Do you have roots that you're connected to? Mm. Um, do you know how to treat women? Do you know how to, you know, survive through like any hardship or just how to be a man and provide? That's his main thing. So um, yeah, for dating and my dad, it's more so like, uh, I'm not, I don't think he's really expecting anything right now. And for my mom, I think she's at a point now where she's very indifferent. I caught her last year. She mentioned, you know, something on the slide. She's like, you know, if you ever decide to bless me with grandchildren, and I'm like, oh, so you, so you think there's a possibility that I may not be getting married, you know? Um, which I, I can't blame them because I don't talk to them about relationships, just because I culturally I don't think it's something that I want to do yet because I'm not sure. I haven't met my husband, that's for sure. Um, but I'm, I'm also just, you know, like I just, I'm nervous and I don't know how to even start that conversation when that does happen. Mm, yeah. Cause it hasn't happened before. So it's, it's kind of a new, um, yeah. If, even if I did meet a guy or we were dating for like over a year, like I would still be like, Ooh, do I introduce you to my dad? Or like, there's certain things that I've noticed in relationships. I'm like, that's not going to work, you know? Yeah. Um, so yeah, I would definitely uh, relate to that as well. Cause in my last relationship, I took about two years to introduce him to my family just because, um, like, I'm just always insecure about introducing anybody to my family just because we're very dysfunctional. And my parents are just very, I'd say, fob. And so they're very hard to understand just because, like, the cultural differences and, like, the language barrier. And so that's just something that I'm still working on. And so, like, whoever I meet next, I just... I just need to like understand like what their family dynamic is like and if like they can empathize or like, you know, just be understanding. Mm. Then that's when I know like, oh, I can bring you home or I can introduce you or even like tell my uh, my family about you. But usually if I meet somebody, the first people to know are my friends. <laughs> and yeah, I introduce so. them to my friends and get validation and confirmation from my friends. It's almost like your friends are like the family that they get to meet, right? Yeah, so the friends are definitely the family I chose. You know, <laughs> yeah. born into the. <laughs> you, know, you don't get to choose who you were born into, but you get to choose a family you create. 
yeah. which is my friend. <laughs> but on the flip side, I do get a little bit, or I feel really bad though, because I, in my past relationships, like I've met most of my significant other's parents, like mm. really, really soon. And I don't know, like, I appreciate that. And I love that because my family is also like really dysfunctional. So when I see like a functional family, I'm like, oh my God, I love this. And I gravitate towards them. But a part of me feels bad because like, I still don't want to introduce them to my family always that cultural barrier that I'm just trying to like get over but I still just I feel so guilty because it's like they kind of engulfed me into their family and I loved it but I still can't reciprocate the same thing yet Mm. I totally agree with that and I don't know if it's like an American thing where it's maybe not as a big of a deal to have uh, a partner Mm -hmm. meet uh, your parents but I definitely have, have relate to that where I feel like I'm really in the beginning early stages of getting to know someone and they're like, oh, yeah, you know, I'm having this family function <laughs> next week, like literally a family reunion, like you can come with me. And I'm like, we're not even together. How are you going to introduce me? Like, right. this, but they don't see it as a big deal. So I've always wondered if it was just uh, like an American thing where it's it's not considered a big deal for someone to to meet your parents. Because, yeah, like I'll meet their parents. And in my mind, I'm like, I hope this doesn't make you think that you're about to be my mom because that's not going to happen. Yeah. <laughs> right. That's exactly how I feel. But I still want to like go hang out yeah. with your family. Right. But I just, we just can't hang out with mine. <laughs> or it's like, I want to hang out with your family, but I don't want to answer any of the questions that your family is about to ask me about my family yeah and I think that speaks to a lot about like expectations in different cultures like and we are American because we have spent most of our lives here if not we were born here and then our parents didn't necessarily grow up in the U.S. or or was born here do you feel like sometimes you have an identity crisis um, where you're not this culture enough or I mean I don't think any of us look like we're Americans or like quote unquote Americans. Do you feel that identity crisis ever or that belonging crisis? Yes and no. Like I would say because I've lived in the U.S. for more than 20 years now, like when I go back to Indonesia, like my family thinks I'm too American. But then when I'm here, it's like I'm not American enough because like there's still like I still hold on to like some of my cultural root um like the like you know I still follow some of like my cultural things like the food that I eat and like like I still speak a different language and then like some of the things that um I would do um I would say um I agree with that as well I remember uh when I uh, growing up when uh, my f- mom and I would visit uh, Mexico every, we'd go pretty much every summer. And then eventually my uh, family would just start, you know, they would make jokes and be like, oh, you know, you're a gringa now, uh, you're American, this and that. And um, I started to feel almost like distance between my family and myself because I felt like they started feeling that I thought I was better because I lived in America and they started creating this like, oh, well, I know here we still have to boil all our water and you're not used to that. But it like, I would never complain about things, but mm. I could tell that they started feeling a way that, um, and almost uh, marking the differences that I was experiencing in the American culture and then in Mexican culture and, you know, always saying things like, well, I know you don't have to do that in the U.S., but here in Mexico, you know, this is what we have to deal with. Uh, so it would put some sort of uh, barrier or wall, I guess, between my family and I. 
Um, and then in the US, I didn't feel that as much, but uh, similar as what Caddy was saying when it comes to food, when it comes to language. But so those were like the differences that I, that I kind of noticed where I felt like I didn't fit in an American culture in a lot of times, but definitely when I go to Mexico, it's, it's still sometimes an issue as well with my own family. I definitely relate with that hundred percent. Cause like when I go to Indonesia, like going back to the food thing, like in Indonesia, they, you know, we sit on the floor and eat with our hands. But then like when I go back home, they want to take me to like a fancy American restaurant, but I'm like, I don't want to eat fancy pizza hut. Cause like, <laughs> I don't even think that's good in the U S and so why would I want to eat this in another country? And so like, I just feel like they think I'm like, you know, just because I'm American, I have like all these high expectations of like what my cousins needs to, how, how they should act or dress and like what types of food that I, um, that I should be eating. But I'm like, no, like I want to just like be in touch with my culture so that I don't lose that in the US. Going back to what JB was saying, like having to like fill up paperwork and like always, helping your parents like, you know, make all the adult decisions. I agree with um, having to do the things for your parents that normally adults would have to be doing on their own. Um, and I, it's definitely a cultural difference of, you know, you're learning the ins and outs from a young age about the country that your parents came to, right? Mm -hmm. But um, I guess for me, when it comes to identity, it's been, it's been a really different journey. Um, cause obviously like in America, I'm seen as like an African American woman. Right. But in Africa, like I'm not, I'm, t I'm mixed. My dad is Nigerian and my mom is from Burundi. So it's two different countries. One's on the West and one's on the East. But then my mom was born and raised in Belgium. So like she has this European, you know, her, she's her, she's born European. Right. Um, so for me, it's been just trying to navigate learning my Nigerian culture, which I love, and then my Burundian culture, which I'm, you know, trying to understand that. And then, you know, the Belgian culture from my mom, but also like being in America, it's like being a black person here, like identity is scary as hell over here. So like, I'm just navigating, trying to figure out like, but then again, I, for me, it's always been like, these are all external things. And I'm more so like of a person who I'm really spiritual and I want to know who I am from inside out, not from outside in. I haven't shied away, but I don't entertain the identity aspect of trying to figure out who I am in society today because it's just me trying to conform to like some type of box that people are trying to place people in versus just being comfortable knowing that I am a mix of different things that are okay and they're right, but it's not for anyone else to understand it for me to have to explain. I just need to understand that. Mm -hmm. Yeah, that makes sense. And especially everyone's going to have a different perception or a different view and you can't conform yeah. to every, every perception because then you start to lose who you really are and can't even remember what's truly you, which is, can be scary. Exactly. Yep like doing the things for your parents that like adults usually should be taking care of on their own. Like I find that to be like a blessing, right? Because now you have more grace for like everyone because you know, it doesn't matter how old you are. You can not know something, not because you're stupid. It's because you're from another country and things operate differently there. You know mm -hmm. what I mean? Um, I have this uh, story that I'm going to tell really quickly and Didi, I feel like you would appreciate it because it, it goes with real estate. So my parents, when I was like <laughs> nine or eight, and they were looking to buy a house and we were looking at all these different houses and I would have to call um, the agents to look at the <laughs> houses and I would have these conversations with them because my parents like, you have to ask all these questions. And so I would ask and then I would show up 
with my parents to these viewings and they're like, did we speak to you? And I'm like <laughs> a foot or two uh, shorter than what they expected, <laughs> like 10 years or 20 years younger than what they expected. So it was just like really funny because they were like shocked, but yeah. Yeah. So it was really interesting. I, I just remember that as we're, we're speaking <laughs> and um, which it really resonates with all of us. And I guess like a final question is, do you all feel that you are going to take some of these things, um, these values and raise your kids very similarly, very different? What are your thoughts? Um, I definitely think uh, I'm going to take as far as cultural aspects, there are a lot of things culturally that I'm going to retain and pass down to my children. It's um, very important to me that if I do have kids that they are connected to uh, my uh, my family's culture that they know how to speak Spanish well, um, those types of things. But as far as expectations um, that I put on them or the way that I show love, I think I've learned a lot from my maybe my parents' mistakes. And I think that my focus is going to be a lot less on their accomplishments and more on just their internal happiness and helping them figure out who they are, how to navigate life, um, kind of help them to or guide them with what is what truly do they value out of life what do they want to get out of life and not how can you make mom happy what does mom want you to do I think when I do have kids I want to raise them you know like I want them to also be I mean I want them to feel all the love and like feel that you know we as a family love you and will support you no matter what you do and like I'm not saying that they can't go out and like choose their own family but I'm I want them to also feel like they have a home base so basically everything I didn't have I would love my kids like in the future to know that you know your mom and dad will always be here for you like we I mean we'll have expectations of them to just like you know always stay true to themselves and like always know where your roots are from and like where you come from but i also want them to like live the life that they want to live and know that they're always supported by their mom and dad and that you know if they make mistakes like your mom and dad will always be there for you and so that's how i would want to raise my kids i agree i think um culturally for me i i definitely want my children to know where they came from, um, their roots. So, you know, like my background, but also like my husband's background too. So I definitely want to continue to have that like rich culture instilled in them and have them be proud of who they are and where they come from. Cause I definitely find a huge benefit in that. But in terms of communication, I mean, I think there was a lot of there wasn't enough communication, I think, for me. So I want to teach my children how to verbalize how they feel growing up, even if it's not something that I agree with. So I don't want them to feel like they need to hide things from me. But I also find um, that there is great benefits in having your children know to a certain age that you're their parent and not their friend so for me with my mom she was always like my friend and now I see where like it's really gray for us sometimes mm. um and then for my dad he always wanted to you know make sure that he I knew that he was my parent right and I see the benefits in that but I also see that there's a little bit of a rigid area that he's not willing to like cross for us to be able to have those like nice or you know like open conversations as I'd like to um and being a first generation I think think that there's so many new things that I'm going to have to teach my children, but also teach myself 
because I, I can't continue to like, you know, perpetuate certain things that I don't like um, in me being raised. So it's just going to, it's not black or white for me. I think yes, culturally, but also there's a lot of things that I'm just going to have to like unlearn, relearn and teach at the same time. It makes sense, right? Because there's other aspects of your life that you've grown and learned that are, that you would see beneficial and in raising kids if you were to have kids. So I really appreciate all our conversations today and thank you all for joining this podcast. Thank Thank you you for having us. Yes, thank you so much.